you know, we are all busy if Putin is going to attack Ukraine or not. The whole world is busy with it. Literally the whole world. Israel, United States, many other countries advise the citizens to leave Ukraine. And this morning they said again, within a few days, Russia is going to attack Ukraine. And Israel, for example, sent out planes to pick up the Israelis from Ukraine. They have t- there is 10 or 12,000 Israelis in Ukraine, and 3,000 or 4,000 already left. Mm-hmm. Now, Israel is dependent on Ukraine. A half of the wheat for, the, for bread that comes to Israel is from Ukraine. Mm-hmm. And many um, high-tech companies, many workers are from U- Ukraine. It's interesting. Yeah. In any case, well, there is one group who do not have this, uh, this option. The Chabad rabbis, the Shluchim of the Rebbe, the emissaries, they cannot leave. I have a brother-in-law with the Chabad rabbi in Odessa. He and my sister live in Odessa. They moved to Odessa in 1999. He was, he had an interview, you'll see in the Jewish news. You get the Jewish news? No. And then you go online, you see in the Jewish news, they interview them. Interviewed my brother-in-law and my sister. I arranged that and I was their translator. That the first question he asked them, are you leaving? Uh, that he pointed on the, uh, he has an orphanage for 83 children. Mm-hmm. He says, leave, and he's going to take care of them. He has a nursing home of 40 people, Holocaust survivors, who are not mobile. Right. He says, I know he's going to take care of them. What means leave? Right. Leave where? Leave what? You see, our connection with the family with, with, with Odessa goes back many years. My great-grandfather that I'm named after him was the, rabbi, the Hasidic rabbi in Odessa in nine, from, from, nine, from 1897 to 1937. In 1920s, the Bolshevik revolution, the, the communists took over this, Russia, and there was, at that time, there were 53 shuls in Odessa, 53 shuls. From these 53 shuls, they, they took everything. They turned it into theaters and, uh, and uh, storage houses and offices, everything. They took everything from the Jewish community. Everything belongs to the government. My great-grandfather's shul was taken to. Malbi Sharumim, it was called. You know every shul, like Bnei Shur, and there's a name. Malbi Sharumim is who dresses the naked. Whatever reason, they gave the name the shul. Maybe there were many, even they established that it was by tailors, and tailors are dressing people. Maybe that's why. I don't know why they gave, gave the name. And he, later years, he ran the shul from his house because he took away the shul. And by 1937, he died outbroken. He was 60-something. He was a young man. He died outbroken from, from Tzoros. Mm-hmm. Fast forward eight years. My sister and my brother-in-law come to Odessa. Open Chabad. And the year is 1999. And they turn to the city, to the government, to ask for, they should return to the Jewish community now. They bought two Orthodox communities, give back two shuls. Mm-hmm. Right? After discussion and this ritual, they gave back to shuls. The shul that my brother-in-law got is the same shul where my great-grandfather was the rabbi. You know, this is simply eight years later. This is unbelievable. My, 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 my brother-in-law had no clue 
he is, he's like married into the family. Mm-hmm. He, and I also, he asked me, where my great grandfather David in Shul, which shul? I didn't know that he has a shul. He had no clue. And then when he came, it was my grandfather was still alive in Israel. And he says, where is the shul? What's the building? What's the street? He said, this is the same shul. The same synagogue that my great grandfather was the rabbi. I always tell my brother-in-law, I'm named after my great grandfather. Really, I had supposed to be the rabbi though. But because I cannot be everywhere, I had pointed him as an emissary. My, my, my liaison to be the, the rabbi. He doesn't appreciate when I make this joke. Then, you know, sometimes if you need to see the end of God, you know, God runs the world. We all believe in it. But sometimes God shows you that he runs the world. Does you, there's a full circle. And my great grandfather is buried in Odessa. Because it was before World War II, they buried him in the community, in the cemetery. And there, in, in, in 80 years, they took away from him in the 1920s. Mm-hmm. In the year 1999, almost 2000, he came, the great-grandchild came back to the same synagogue of the great-grandfather. Mm-hmm. That's unbelievable. In any case, in 2001, an elderly lady walks into the shul, to the same synagogue, with two grandchildren, two grandchildren. One is six, mm-hmm. one is eight, a boy and a girl. Says him, Rebbe, I cannot support him anymore. My daughter was murdered last night outside the door. And this is too good. She has two children, and I cannot support them. I cannot take care of them. I'm entrusting them to you. I'm sure you'll do with them the right thing. Like this. Take them. When was this? In the year 2001. When my brother-in-law saw it, he says, we have to open an orphanage. That's how it started. Now they have 83 kids. But it started by force. Oh. Somebody walked in, we took his children, says, take them. A Jew or a Ukrainian? A Jewish woman. Sure, only Jewish kids. Yeah. In any case, then one of the horrible stories that he told me, he says there was a woman, 17-year-old girl, gave birth to a, gave birth to a little girl. Where is your husband? In jail. That your brother, somebody told my, my brother, okay, they invited her with the baby to come to the, to the orphanage. Mm-hmm. Live there, we'll take care of you. They tried to encourage her to find a job, to learn a profession, to go to college, learn, they have a college there too. Mm-hmm. You'll be able to support yourself. No, no, no. A few months later, she has to leave. They begged her, leave the baby until you find a job, until you find an apartment. No, she's going. She disappeared. They didn't hear from her for 10 months. Didn't hear. 10 months later, they get a phone call from the hospital. There is a woman here, Nadia. She has a baby. She's a baby with her. And she's about to give birth to another baby. Before the government takes away the two children from her to an orphanage, a government orphanage, we want to know if the Jewish orphanage is interested in, in, to take care of them. Sure, my brother-in-law says, yeah, absolutely, we take the kids. That, that she get, next day she gave birth to a baby boy. She took the girl and the boy, and the mother came along. Listen, they made a the breeze. They called him Abraham, because the mother wanted to be called Abraham. To get Shine. Two months later, she tells them that she has to go to her 
hometown to set, uh, organize all the papers, the birth, the birth certificates for the kids, and the, their papers over there. She left the babies, and she's gone. Six months they didn't hear from her. Six months later, she shows up for a short time. She disappears again. <laughs> Ten months later, they get a phone call again from the <laughs> hospital. Three children from three different husbands. All three of them are being raised in this orphanage. It's called the orphanage name is Mishpacha, like family. You understand? Then what, then what exactly is he going to run away? You know, everybody says, why doesn't leave? Doesn't leave. And then what will be with the kids? They are buying food and they are, buy, and they are taking care of them because they're storing food. Maybe it will be a war. It says, and every time they store food, they use it, and then they store food again, and then they store food again. And it's a constant issue, guys, and people are scared. And the, the, un, the, un, the uncertainty, you know, the, you don't know what's going to be tomorrow, drives the community crazy. Mm-hmm. And it was a very nice uh, interview. You should see it on the website on the Jewish news. In this week's parsha, the majority of the parsha is about the story of the golden calf. Moses went up at Mount Sinai. After, after God gave the Ten Commandments on Shavuos, Moses went up at Mount Sinai. Yeah, you're almost there. Kitisa, the name of the parsha is Kitisa. Chapter, the beginning of chapter 32. Look on top, which chapter? Yeah, right here. Right here. Right here. Then Moses is going up on Mount Sinai and, God, and, and to, get, to receive the two tablets. He's there for 40 days. The day before he's supposed to come down, the Jewish people thought he was supposed to be there. In any case, they got all walked up. They made a golden calf. Moses is at Mount Sinai. He doesn't know any news. He doesn't have a cell phone. He doesn't know what's going on downstairs. God gives him the two tablets and then God tells him, you know, Reb Moshe, I have some news for you. Nobody tells them the first word. Go down because your people have sinned. They made a golden calf. They are stiff-necked people. I want to punish them, to annihilate them, and start from you, Moses, a new nation. Moses right away started to pray for the, for the Jews. He said, please, 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 please don't kill them. Eh? What are they go- you know what he says? What are the Egyptians going to say? Forget about the Jews. What are the Egyptians going to say? You took the Jews out from Egypt to what? To kill them in the desert? That's what he took him. That's why he took them out. That's coming God. What are they going to do? What, how the world is going to look at it? Okay, Moses came. Uh, Moses came down. Then he prayed to God. He asked from God. He, and God, he asked from God to forgive, forgive them. And he gave God. In the end, he gave God an ultimatum. He told God, "If you forgive them, good. And if not, erase me from your book. Don't count on me that you start from me a new nation." Erase me from the old Torah. Forget about me. Then the question is, will Moses got the audacity, the chutzpah, the strength, the guts to tell God, giving God an ultimatum? You know, Abraham didn't give God an ultimatum. Isaac didn't give... What is this giving God ultimatums? The answer lies in the first world when God told Moses, go down because you, you, you people have sinned. You see, Rashi points out something very interesting. Until this time, every time God called the Jewish people, Ami, Ami, you know what Ami means? My people. 
And he, he told Moses, go tell, tell Pharaoh, say, let my people go. You know the famous slogan, let my people go? He told them, let my people, and God called them my people, Ami. Mm-hmm. This time he told them, Amecha, lechet kishichet amcha, your people. What happened that God changed from my people, from God's people to Moses' people? Then Rashi puts it in a negative way. Rashi says, then God wanted to tell Moses, it's you people made the golden calf. What means you people? Before they left Egypt, there were many Egyptians who wanted to join the Jewish people. It's called the Rifraf. Mm-hmm. They, they saw, you know, that the people like to go with the winners. Yeah. Oh, and that's, uh, the Jewish people are there, 10 plagues, that's good. And also the intel- intelligentsia of Egypt wanted to go with the Jews because they didn't want to believe in idols. They, they saw that the Jewish people have uh, something more to them. And Moses asked God, should I take them or not? God told them to do whatever he want. Moses received them. Moses said, it would be a good idea to take them. They will convert. They will see the beauty of, of God. They believe in the um, monotheism. It would be a good thing for them. But God never, never said yes. And God tells Moses, these people, they are the one who made the golden calf. Moses left. They came up with this idea. They instigated everybody. They were idol worshippers in Egypt. You know, the golden calf was the same idol that used to worship in Egypt. And they made the same thing here. Then God is blaming Moses. You people did it, not my people. That's why she says. But the Rebbe once said something amazing. Rebbe took the literal meaning of the line. God told them, go down. It's your people. Take responsibility. It's your people. God, by saying it, God empowered Moses. Until now, it was my people. And I hired you, like you have employees, to do for you the job. He's the leader. To do. Then you cannot tell him what to do. It's his people. Moses said, oh, it's my people. Then you're not going to kill him. As long as it's your people, no, I cannot tell you what to do. It's my people. God, by telling Moses it's my people, empowered Moses to fight for them all the way till the end. Moses was ready to die for his people. Because Moses said, that's the first time Moses said it's his people. It's a whole different story. What's the lesson to us? It's your orphanage. What do you mean you're going? Going where? That's what the rabbi did at every Chabad rabbi. It's yours. It's not mine. You know, it's like you, the difference in you and mine is like you walk into your house, you tell your wife, why you, the house is not clean? She says, it's your house, clean it. It's not mine, it's, it's mine as much as it's yours. The lesson to us is, God is telling us from the parsha of this week to every Jew, it's your people. You complain about Israel, why Israel is apartheid and Israel is doing this. Yeah, don't complain, quit complaining. You, like, you don't like it? Get involved, pull up your sleeves and go to work. Go to Israel, make it different. Don't quetch. All the bid yesterday came, all the, all, everybody is trying to save the Jewish people. Do it. Don't talk about it. Don't fight against the, Jew, against the Jews in the UN or in American government. And this is the truth, you know, Jewish people don't only criticize Israel. They criticize everything and everyone. The synagogue is not right. The day school is not right. The JCC is not this. That this is not yet. Every, nothing is good enough for them. The answer is, do it. Take responsibility. And when you take responsibility for another Jewish child, God appreciates it so much that you, 
you become like God. God gives you his own powers. And when you ask from God something, God will change his mind and listen to you. Is your mouth become like God's mouth? God, you, can, you have the power to override God's decrees. And everybody likes to override God's decrees to, to have a better, good, a better, a better outcome. Mm-hmm. Then we, it's all about taking responsibility. If you take responsibility, you become a partner with God, and then God can say, oh, now we can talk.